0: Teacher turned author is because I saw the need in education, especially now, of we have to get back to the beginning.
1: Welcome to Black Educators Matter. This is more than a moment, it's a movement. Hey, it's Danielle. Welcome to Black Educators Matter. Our goal is to share the stories of 500 Black educators. We will celebrate the impact and achievements, learn from the lessons and challenges, and highlight the important roles that educators play in all of our lives. I'm excited to welcome today's guest to our show. As the do now, please tell us your name, your role in education, and answer the question, why do Black educators matter?
0: Hi, everyone. My name is Latasha Martin. I am a teacher in Miami, Florida, and I've been teaching for the last 15 years, elementary students. Black educators are important because one, students need representation. Uh, When we were younger, a lot of our teachers were young white women or even older white women. Usually never saw any male teachers unless they might have been the principal. So other than that, When I was growing up, we saw white teachers. So it was always a unicorn if one year that you had a Black teacher. And that was usually like middle school or high school when you might have looked up and received a Black science or math teacher. So now in 2021, an African-American teacher is no longer a rarity. There are more of us around, which I think is definitely beneficial to young African-American children, especially with how they treat our young men and women today in society as a whole. They definitely need to see more representation in school. I noticed that the behavior is different when young children have an African-American teacher. As a elementary, I've taught kindergarten, third grade, fourth grade, and I had one year in middle school. So I've mostly taught in elementary. I've taught math, science, and social studies one year, or I have reading and language arts one year. So when you partner up with someone and you notice that OK, I want to make sure that my partner is just as strong as I am. So when you have an African-American teacher, you usually have better discipline. That's definitely something that I noticed is better discipline. So the students that I would see on a regular basis, they would come to me for two hours and then they'll leave to my partner and you can hear the noise in the hallway. You can hear them cutting up and you'd be like, well, what happened? You guys didn't do that when you were with me. Or the teacher will come and say, Well, do they talk a lot in your room? Or do you have to constantly go back and forth for them? And my response will usually be, No, I don't. What's going on? The kids, they automatically notice the difference because they might not see you as their mother, but they see you as a mother figure. Or definitely if you're older, teacher, they might see you as a grandmother figure. So in some part right there, there's a respect aspect. So they like, okay, I know I can't get away with this, with this teacher. I'm gonna try it in the next class.
1: Yeah, that's so true. When you when you broke it down with the layers like that, I have seen it, how different students respond to different adults who are giving directives.
0: And even
1: if the person, if the educator is a black educator talking to black students, if they are the set, like a slightly a little bit older, it's like auntie respect. If they are older, it's mother respect. It can be grandmother respect. And it doesn't mean that every student greets every educator with that same connectedness. But once those relationships are established and that trust is established, Kids really will respond with that same Different type way. of familial uh connectedness. I have seen it now you said you're from Florida,
0: yes, ma'am.
1: So what do you remember what your k through eight experience was like growing up in Florida, and if so, tell us about it.
0: Yes, I do okay, in elementary, I went to Gloria Floyd, and that was a kindergarten through fifth grade so back then just straight in elementary because currently we have you know we have K through eight centers most of our schools now are K through eight which I honestly feel in just my opinion it should just be k kindergarten through fifth grade and leave sixth seventh and eighth in middle school because that interaction is definitely a big factor now with children so that's one thing I wish that we could go back to but when I was in school most of my teachers were white women and you would have to deal with the oh she's talking too much or oh she's sassy or even with i have to have two other sisters so i didn't necessarily see the male aspect of it but interacting you would definitely notice that boys be considered as overactive or uncontrollable so when i was growing up those are the different Titles that uh, children would be labeled with. So when I get when I got to middle school, middle school was more of a mixture. I went to Richmond Middle School. So it was a neighborhood school. It had more black kids there. You had more black teachers there. So the um, I want to say the behavior itself might have been the same depending on the student. But you definitely had more teachers that would talk to you real. Like, you know you shouldn't be doing that. Go sit your butt down. So they would talk to you how your parents would talk to you because they know, most of the time, they would know your parents. That's another factor. If you go to a neighborhood school and you had a black teacher, they would know your parents. Oh, what's your last name? You're so-and-so. okay, yeah, I know them. And then that, that made the connection for a lot of students because they're like, well, I know if I get in trouble, they're gonna go home and tell grandma or they're going to tell my dad or my mom. And that would definitely help with keeping you in line because they know that they had more than just your name. They knew your background. They knew your history. They knew where your family lived at. So that was a connection for, for myself with knowing that, okay, well, I know this teacher's not going to play with me. Let me do what I need to do and sit down and do my work. Because <laughs> you you can tell the difference when they start talking to you. And then when I got to high school, I went to Killian and with Killian was also a mixture of uh, races at that school, but it was definitely more predominantly white and Hispanic teachers there. Definitely not a lot of African-American teachers were there at that time at Killian. I think more of a connection that I had was at Richmond when I had more African-American teachers, but at Killian, it was a high school. It was basically, you know, you guys are old enough, you know what you're supposed to do. So they left you alone by the time you really got to high school. Okay. It's either you worked or you didn't, yeah. Okay, <laughs> you either worked or didn't at this point. They're yes. like,
1: get ready to fly. You're leaving the nest. So speaking of leaving the nest, where'd you go to college, and did you go declared as an education major? Did you always know that you were going to be an elementary school teacher?
0: Yes, I did. My family has a history of educators. My father was a PE teacher. He retired two years ago.
1: Thanks for your service,
0: Dad. (laughs) My uncle was a school counselor. I had another uncle who was he was a high school teacher and he was a shop teacher. Then I also have several cousins that are currently teachers. So it was just it's a family profession. It was something that you kinda you saw all the time. So it wasn't a second thought of, oh, what am I gonna do when I, you know, when I grow up, what college, what school am I going to go to? I, it was kind of like ingrained to, you're going to be an education major. So that was, I didn't have, I didn't second guess it. I was an education major. I didn't come from any other, other class. It was straight education. I went, I started off my year at FAMU, my first year I went to FAM. And then I later on switched back home because I live in Miami. So I switched back to FIU. So I graduated. FAU with education major and then I later went on to get my master's in um, early education so I'm certified from pre-k to sixth grade
1: It's so, so incredible that, that you are mm-hmm. from a family of educators but like you started the episode talking about how for some students they view black teachers as a unicorn but you were surrounded by unicorns
0: I was. I was lucky enough to have, it. I didn't. you didn't always see it in the school that you went to, but you knew that other people in your family were educators, so that was definitely something that it wasn't lost on us, that yeah, you can be a teacher, it wasn't difficult, you can be a principal if you wanted to, um, that was honestly not my goal, I'm happy with being in the classroom, but definitely cousins, principals teachers, counselors. So it's something that we've always seen. They always talked about it. Education was always a major factor in my family. It was, you know, you can't get any grades lower than a B because as a a house full of teachers that, you know, you have to represent them. You can't go to school failing or cutting up, misbehaving. It's like, but your dad's a teacher. Why are you here misbehaving when you know better?
1: Speaking of connectedness, does a shared sense of identity exist between you and your Black students? And if so, how did you identify that?
0: I would say yes and no. So there is definitely identity when you walk through the door, they look at you. They're like, oh, okay, she's a teacher. They connect with the fact that you are a Black teacher first. That's the first connection that they make. And then that first week of school for all the new teachers out there, they're going to try you that first month, that first month of school, whether no matter what race you are, they're going to try you. And then that's when you have to hone in to those, you know, those African-American roots that we have that the kids can relate to, that you start talking, you know, you talk, talk their language. It's not, oh, can you please go sit down? it's you know better than that can you please go to your seat and do what you're supposed to do you have to speak in a way that they're used to so coming from that same culture you know what words to say to them that they can understand that they can connect to so they know okay she knows exactly what i'm saying she knows what i need to do that's the first connection that you make that they can relate to with you using their own language using their, their codes, use, you know, their dances that you could, you, when you're trying to teach them the lesson, you find, uh, lessons that have hip hop music in it. You find people, um, you find other educators that are rapping to different topics that you're focused on. So that's how the connection that you first make. And then the second part that I said is like a yes and a no. It's first because you make the connection because of your culture, because of your race. But then that second aspect is, okay, how much of a background does a child have at home? How much support does a child have at home? Because that's the one thing that I do feel with our race as a whole, that there, there's a disconnect there. Some students are losing that disconnect. So then you as a teacher now become more of a mother figure because now you're just going, you're switching to not, I'm not just teaching you. Now I have to teach you some, you know, I have to teach you some how to behave. Okay. What is being polite? So now I have to turn into a different role. So I'm not I'm no longer just your teacher. I'm just not focusing only on teaching you, you know, how to spell or teaching or working on reading comprehension. Now, I have to back up a little bit before I can teach you reading and comprehension. I need to teach you some respect. I have to teach you first how to speak to me because I'm not Miss. I'm not A because they'll try you first with that Miss. No, sweetheart. Miss Martin, how may I help you? So it's... They start off with, I think they see you as a black teacher and they connect with you, but then that's still that child aspect of it who's going to try you and see what they can get away with. And then that's when you have to bring them all together and be like, yes, I'm a teacher, but I know what you're supposed to do. I know the behavior you're supposed to have. I know if I call your mom right now, she's not going to be happy with the way you're acting in here. And I don't have a problem calling your mother. So once we, we take that background or that knowledge that we've had as young children and young Black children, and we bring that same, we bring that same history to our current students, because some of them are lacking that. And I think that's the part of the disconnect that we don't have with the kids, because they don't have that background that we might have had growing up with knowing, okay, I know when I go to school, I can't do A, B, and C. The kids come to school now and they kind of they'll try everything first and then you have to wean them off all of the different behaviors that they know that they can't get away with and that you're not going to accept.
1: Hmm. Spoken like a veteran elementary school teacher, you got to teach them young, raise them yes, up <laughs> young so that when we're in high school, we're not having some of these same basic conversations about how to engage with grown ups in school. That's that's super real. So what has been one of the most impactful moments you've had as an educator? And how long have you said you've been teaching? Fifteen. I thought years. you said fifteen years, yes. I
0: started out the gate teaching. So I graduated uh two thousand five. So I have been teaching since two thousand five, a break in between to have my second child, but other than that, I've been in I've been in there for the long haul.
1: So what's been a super impactful moment you've had as you reflect over the last 15 years?
0: What I would say is impactful is what you notice the change over the years. That is definitely impactful for a lot of teachers, not just as an African-American teacher, but as a teacher as a whole. Uh, when we first started out in 2005, it was, education was great. We had a plan. You knew your role, you knew your responsibilities. But as the years progressed, more was placed onto teachers, more responsibilities placed onto you, um, more duties. And then that each year, they would add on to your responsibility. They would add on to your class size. That was another major factor. As we progressed through the years, class sizes got bigger, responsibility got bigger, funding got smaller. So that's definitely impactful for teachers as a whole as an African-American teacher, when you first enter a school, oh, new teachers, please choose the right school out the gate because they will definitely put you in one of those struggling schools that no one wants to go to. So they say, okay, you're a new teacher. We're going to put you here. So that was my first real impact into education where they just tossed you into the ocean and they said, go and swim. So it was, that was really your trial and error year where it's like, I, if I can do it, I can do it this year. If I can't make it this year, then I just not, this wasn't my field. So the first year was one of those years where you kind of went home, you cried a little bit, you sat in your car for extra 30 minutes just to, you know, debrief your day to, relax and tell yourself you know I could do this it's gonna be okay. So your first year is always your hardest year. Then your impactful year use when you get to year five when you realize okay I have some of this down, I know what I'm doing I have built up my classroom management skills. Now by year five I kind of worked on um, colleagues, because that's definitely as big for teachers, finding you a circle that you can talk with, whether it's good or bad, that can relate to the same issues that you're dealing with. Building a bond with someone that's impactful. And by the 15th year, it's realizing that you're here. You've made this decision. You're in it. You're going to keep going till you reach that 30-year mark. That's 15. You're right in the middle. That You're in the pocket where you choose Am I just gonna choose something else and start a whole new career? Am I gonna keep pushing forward? So, at 15, the impactful year is just figuring out your decision making. Can you stay the course with all of the different changes that's going on? Can you stay the course and continue within education? And that's always the roughest thing for teachers. They usually, the statistics say by the fifth year, that's usually when most teachers drop out. Mm So when they talk to you and you tell them how long you've been teaching, they're like, okay, you're a veteran. You you know what's going on. So you this is your time where you kind of share the information with other teachers, with new teachers coming in. So you can be a blessing to someone else. So that's definitely something that I would share with a new teacher when they come in now. Like, make sure this is what you want to do because there have been a lot of changes over the years within education, a lot of changes.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. You you gave so much real feedback that people probably won't even recognize how valuable it is until they are in it, especially for like first year educators or people stepping into a new role, having that space after work to sit and debrief and talk yourself through it and, and say, I'm coming back tomorrow It doesn't make you bad. It doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you like, it doesn't mean that you don't belong here. It's just so incredibly different. And to be in that space is so many different influences and factors that educators are dealing with every day. So thank you for kind of walking through some of those tips. Also about like finding that circle and people that you can connect with and support with you and pour back into you after you spent time pouring into the families and communities that you're serving. So you mentioned like all of the different changes that have happened in education over the years. And that leads me to this question. What is the state of education in black America and how did we get here?
0: That is a very divisive question because there are so many factors that will play into that. My own opinion, I work in a Title I school. Um, I've not always worked in a Title I school. My first five years, Title I school, then I was, the next five years, I was in an A school. Last five years, I'm back to Title I. So you're able to see a dramatic difference between the two levels. So as an example, a title, um, an A school, you have great funding, you have great parent participation, the class numbers for the most part are at required state level or sometimes even smaller and then people appreciate you a little bit more at a at a, a school where people would drop off gifts for the teachers, snacks, coffee. I can definitely say when I was at the A-schools for 5 years, each year, Christmas, Valentine's Day, they would bring you loads of stuff just to say thank you. They appreciate you dealing with their child, and that's when I taught kindergarten for five years, and I had the I had an inclusion kindergarten classroom. They appreciated the work that you were doing. They appreciate how your their child loved coming to your class. Now, when I go to a Title One school, there's less funding, more students, more behavior issues and with the Title I school, that could be predominantly Black or Hispanic schools. And there are a lot of factors that play into why that is a struggle now in education. When I was younger, you had community, you had grandparents that were active in the community. They would work in the library, they would do a bake sale, Um, they would would participate in their grandchild's day. They were retired. They were home. They would be happy to go to sit in a classroom, cut paper for you, help the teacher with any project or go on field trips. Now, you definitely don't see that support. Back, the African-American community was a tighter, a tighter fit. We worked together. We supported each other. We helped. If your child was acting up, you knew if Miss Harris saw you, that she was going to tell your grandmother or your mom before you even got home what you were doing. Now it's, don't talk to my child. Don't tell me what my child is doing. What are you doing to my child? So that's the difference now from previously to what to the state of education now. Um, the kids are definitely not coming in as prepared as they once were. Each year, the level of comprehension drops. So for the last five years, actually the last 10 years, I've been doing reading and language arts. I prefer math, but I I guess I've been doing well enough that they said you're good at this, we're going to keep you here. So with reading and language arts, You notice that the kids are coming in unable to read. Before, your parents would always have you pre-K. You knew how to tie your shoes. You knew how to read a sentence. You know your parents' name, your phone number, your address. So you have some fourth graders that that they don't know their address. They don't know their phone number. They don't know their birthday. Okay, sweetheart, what's your birthday? Let me see. What? Okay, what month were you born in? What year were you born? So you have to break it down even further for them instead of just saying, what's your birthday? So the state of education is declining in some areas. Now, are there some schools that are excelling and they're pushing their students? Yes, there are. Uh, My children go to, they're both, both my children go to public schools. I have two young men. So they both go to public school. They both go to magnet schools. So you definitely see a difference within a magnet school. The level of education is higher. The expectations are higher. The requirements to stay in that school are definitely higher than they would be at a regular public school. So it all depends on what type of school you're talking about. I teach at a regular public school. So at a regular public school, you have struggling readers. You have kids who still can't write, who struggle with counting. And that plays on their home life. So now an education, it's not just me walking into the building and teaching you. Now I have to do more. I can't just start at your fourth grade level that you're supposed to be on. Now I realize by just holding a conversation with you, you're not on this level. And then when you take the test and I realize, okay, you're really on a second grade, first grade level, which is part of the problem that definitely as educators now that we're noticing kids are coming in a year, two years behind. They have, they're struggling with phonics. They're definitely struggling with comprehension, liter, um, literary comprehension, informational text is definitely a struggle for them. And all of that plays back to the community, your home. There has been a loss somewhere. Somewhere mom, dad is not, they're no longer sitting with them and talking to them, and reading to them at home, like our parents have, that they did when we were younger. We would sit down in the evening, they ask you about your day, you would tell them what topics you did in class. Okay, they would ask you, is there anything you're struggling with, anything you need me to help you with? I don't see that being done anymore, or it's not being done as often as it used to be. And I think that's the problem that's affecting education right now. And that's the problem why a lot of teachers are dropping out because it's so much being put on our plate. That's more than just teaching.
1: This is just one of many stories and we want to keep the conversation going. Follow us on Instagram at blackeducators.matter. Visit us online at www.blackeducatorsmatter.org. Help build the movement by joining our Patreon. Now, let's get back to our Project 500 podcast.
0: So, there's a lot of different factors that impact Our education a day. So it's not just oh. also the lack of teachers. Teachers are dropping out. So the lack of teachers increase class size, which increase behavior issues, which then decreases the amount of education that a child will receive because there's other there's other entities that are impacting your ability to teach. And that is what we have to figure out. We have to break down each layer in order to get back to the basics. That we always notice that our world always goes in a cycle. So right now, our education needs to get back to how our community wants to be right now. Well, right now we're black power, we're fighting for the rights of African-Americans, So we need to do, we need to not only just put that towards the adults, we also need to make sure they're putting that towards the children because they are missing out on that same, that same connection that you want the society to have on African-American communities. You also have to play that back for the kids because they need someone to be home reading to them or practice writing with them or just simply listening to their day between parents and their need to do to step up a little bit more or go back to our original ways of parenting and you know talking to the kids then you have to add on that other layer of new responsibilities that are being placed on teachers a large class size less funding less books less materials so there's a lot that plays on to education today. So I can't just pinpoint it to one certain item that okay, we fix this one thing Then education will be great again. No, there's so many other layers that we have to peel back in order to get to the root of the problem.
1: You are absolutely right. You just named some of the some of the ones that we can see. But there are so many layers involved in this insidious lasagna that is our current education system. And I also think, like you said, listening to kids, letting kids talk, being there to kind of like walk them through their day and let them unpack, but also reading to kids is super important so that they can build their vocabulary and just get a love of reading from the grownups in their life. Right. So how does an educator who loves math become a children's author? Speaking of reading to kids.
0: (laughs) It's because I saw a need. That's really what it is. I saw a need. My first passion, I love math. I always enjoyed math. My mother was an accountant. My dad was a teacher. So, you know, I got the best of both worlds. I've always had the older kids. Right now for the last four years I've been teaching the older kids. So I'm like, okay, my focus should be on the younger ones. Because if you start young, pre-K, kindergarten, by the time they reach third and fourth grade, you won't have all of these uh, issues that you're running into. All of these deficiencies that you're noticing. So that's why I started, that's why I turned into an author, to help focus on the younger readers. Create a book that can show an African American character. So when I see the character that looks like me, if I'm a boy, because it's black boy be you. First, if you're a boy, you can see the character looks like you. It's supposed to be a character between the ages of five to seven. So it'll work in that range. They can see themselves. If I'm a girl, I can see my brother. I can see my cousin. I can see my friend. And the actions or the storyline relates to something that they would have in their normal day-to-day life. So I thought that it was impactful to start with those younger students to help with a topic, one that I believe they need to know Self-love, loving what's inside of you, which also aids to education. People have to understand that emotions, behavior, play a huge part before they even get to us, the teacher. Understanding that no matter we all have flaws, love what you see in the mirror. And then you start with those sight words. Okay, go with those smaller three-letter words that they should know. And they can read the book over and over again. Fluency is really important. So starting young, building the fluency, building those sight words, using representation to help them understand the story and the theme and message of the story is why I said, okay, I'm going to become a children's author and I'm going to start with the younger students because I believe we have to start there. So by the time even... Pre, uh, preschoolers, uh, one-year-olds, you can read books to them. They're just listening. And that's how they build their vocabulary, just by you reading to them. As a children's author, I felt the goal was to focus on young children. So by the time they get to kindergarten, they should be able to read the school's name. Because some kids by that time don't even know what it says on the building. They should be able to read the information in front of them. They should be able to comprehend the information that the teacher is asking them. Can you please write your name on the paper? They should be able to read the word name when they see it and how that relates to them. What is she asking or what is he asking me to do? Teacher turned author is because I saw the need in education, especially now, of we have to get back to the beginning. We have to get back to, I know people don't, I personally, the genre that I like, or the era I should say, the era that I like was the 70s. I am an 80s baby. So I always look back to the 70s. It was always a great community. No, of course our life wasn't great, but there was so much in the black community back then. There was so much there. Um, Black-owned businesses, libraries, um, everywhere you turn, you can have someone that you can relate to. And I think that's the part that we are missing. We're missing that connection. So in order to build the connection, start them young. So by the time they grow up, they can then understand what they would have to do. Also, if you build the background now, when they have their own future children, They would know, okay, when I was younger, I did this. My mom read to me at night. My dad asked me how my day was going. My grandmother came to my school and she was an aide for my teacher that day. So they can go back on their memories and want to have that same life for their own child to show that it can be done. Because honestly, as long as I've been teaching, I've always wanted to write books but I never did it. I was like, ah, I get to it later. Oh, I have this to do. I have that to do. I got to run around with the kids. I have to do this. I have to, I got to do this lesson plan. I have to go to this meeting. So it's always not taking enough time for yourself to get it done and not thinking you can get it done. And then I just finally sat down. I was like, okay, now unfortunate, you know, our fortune situation going on right now, we're stuck in COVID. We were home. And I said, this is a perfect time to start. And the character Isaiah is my actual son. I used his baby picture to create the character. It's multifaceted for me with this book. So it's not, it's literacy. It's helping African-American children representation. It's showing my own kids how to follow a dream that goals can be created and reached And you never limit yourself because I think as parents, as women, we kind of limit ourselves to things and say, I'll get to it later. I'll work on them. I'll make sure they're okay." And we never make sure we do what we want to do. So I definitely see it as a way for me to show my own children that all things are possible, no matter how long it takes you to get there, that you can do it. So my first book, definitely not my last book, but my first book, business literacy for my children that I didn't personally have on my own. So it's like, I'm going back to school for business. So, and then while I'm learning, I teach them every step as I go. So my process, they knew that I was having this interview. Every time I have an interview, mommy's having this interview, who are you meeting with, mom? And I let them know I'm meeting with the Black Educators Matters today. Okay, mom, I'll play them back the interview. I get their response on it. I had them on the process of the book. I had especially my older son. He's 15. So I had him look at the rough drafts. What do you think about this? Do you think I should change it to this? What do you think of this color? What do you think of you know, the storyline? Do you think I should add something else? So every step of the process, I had my family involved. So this is truly a family business, teaching them goals, set a goal, achieve it, learn a process, do something new. Because this, this is out of my wheel well completely, but I just jumped into it with hopes and dreams that it will work out. And I am meeting goals as I go. I'm reaching life goals that I never thought that I would achieve if I just took some time to myself. So I love hearing
1: stories of people following their yeses, especially when it's something that they always had in their heart but didn't know that it was possible. But what happens when you actually spend some time and energy investing in your own dreams and making them possible and it's clear that your book and your series of books that are coming after, that's clearly a family event, putting yes, your you sons, they, they getting producer credit, like, <laughs> you know, getting director credit. is just an incredible testimony of what it means to come from a family of educators and to know that their mother is truly a unicorn who's following her dreams and making it possible. Where can people support you
0: and get your book? Thank you. My book, Black Boy B.U., can be purchased for $11 at my own personal website. I have created my own website. It is children's C-H-I-L-D-R-E-N-S, books, B-O-O-K-S.com. I have also, and it launched yesterday, before I even talked to you, I have an app. My book app. It's up. <gasps> what? It is on Google Play. It is under the title of Black Boy B-U on Google Play. iPhone users, because I am an iPhone user. But my husband has an Android, so he can pull it up on his phone. iPhone um, re- is still under review for iPhones, but I have an app now that you download the app. It'll take you right to my shop. I have I definitely have another book coming out. I'm hoping to release it by February. That is my goal, if not March. And this one, I'm turning the ties and I'm putting it for the ladies. And this one is also it's named after my niece so my first book was my son because I only have two boys so my second one's for the girl so it's named after my niece and her name is Vernaya but the character's name is Naya and it's with Black Girl Be You Straighten Your Crown so it's definitely on its way so please be on the lookout for that but I am so proud of all of my current accomplishments and my future endeavors that It's so amazing. And then it led me to talking to you, (laughs) which is great. And I am one of those authors that don't mind helping other authors. So I do have on my website, you subscribe. I give a free lesson plan with the book. I send you author tips and it's not something brand new. I tell you my journey and what I'm using.
1: So incredibly generous. I'm telling you, you really are a unicorn. Thank you so much for sharing your story, for sharing your process, for sharing your wisdom, everything that you are sharing in order to, because like you said, you saw a need. Oh, you saw a need. Are there any Black educators that you would like to thank?
0: Yes. When I was, I thought long and hard when I saw this question and I was like, who really impacted my life when I my journey of education started when I will well not started but it ended with my senior year it was our internship and please understand for our new teachers yeah that internship is not a paid internship I know there's other colleges where you get a paid internship but teaching is not one of them so I I don't remember the name of the school I went to but it was a teacher within my internship, Miss Pool Glass, and I remember her name because she had a a, a weird name. I was like, "Oh, Pool Glass! That's so un, un, that's so unique." So it always stuck with me. And what she did was, she also had it was elementary school, and she had, if I'm correct, fourth or fifth grade students. And the first two weeks, I just followed her. I listened to her, I watched her, then it was my turn. She saw that I was nervous. And then she she let me, you know, go through my lesson. And then she sat me down after class and she told me exactly what I did wrong, what my strengths were, and she told me what I needed to do. So as an example, I am a great organizer. I, that's my passion. Like I can sit, I can do papers, folders all day, whatever you want. And she noticed that skill. So she said, you're great at organizing. She said, that's, that's not something you need to focus on. She says, you have to focus on the lesson itself. Cause it was, this is real old school. I don't know if I'm dating myself, but back then, you know, you had the maps that you had to pull down. <laughs> okay. So it was the map that you had to pull down. And I'm not knowing that. You know, if you pull a little bit hard, it's like you pull it down a little harder, it'll snap into place and stay. Yeah. But I, I didn't know that.
1: So Did you I hold it there. down? I
0: was holding it. <laughs> I was holding <laughs> the map. So she let me go through the lesson. And she was like, sweetheart, you don't have to hold the map. You just do this. And it'll lock in place. so she, she 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 watched my process and then she told me what i which i love so she sat me down and she told me everything that i needed to correct and then at the end she told me because it was what it was a six weeks process so for the end of the um senior year before graduation she was like okay you did great with this, you should still work on this, you know, before you start, this is the things that you have to um, practice with. So she took the time to explain to me what I did wrong. She took the time to help me to ensure that I can do better when I become an actual teacher. And she was a black teacher. She was an older woman. I think that was her last year too, because she told me that she didn't, plan on being she didn't plan on taking on any interns that year because she was getting ready to retire don't see that's so, that
1: grandma that's that auntie yeah. relationship <laughs> how you go i didn't plan on no time i'm re- i'm out of here i'm retiring yeah. oh i love them i love
0: them it was it was at the end and she just so happened to accept another intern. And it was just me. So I was definitely blessed to have that interaction with that black teacher. She told me exactly what I needed to know. She wasn't rude or snappy. She just broke it down to a level to make sure that I comprehended all of the issues that I needed to correct before someone else told me. Shout out to Ms.
1: Pool Glass, because that's exactly what you said early on in the advice with talking to students and building connections is like, speak the language that they understand, like using their language to break it down. So she did to you the same thing that you are doing to your students to build those relationships. So shout out to her. You really have been blessed to be surrounded by amazing Black educators. See, so much more than unicorns. So much more. We really are everywhere. Thank you for sharing your story again. Thank you for um, your books and sharing your website and everything that you are working on in the future. And just again, everything that you've done, it was, it is, and it always will be worth it. So thank you.
0: Thank you for inviting me. I am definitely honored to be here.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Black Educators Matter. Are you ready to share your story? Visit us online at www.blackeducatorsmatter.org to sign up. Remember, make excellence equitable and thank a black teacher today.